FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 425 of the podcast that goes snicked. I am your host, Jason Brain Blank Venable, and I'm joined by some very special guests uh, from the House of X podcast. We have Dylan, Neon Splash Carter, and Regina out scheming the schemes of the schemers Gibbons. Hey guys! <laughs> Hi! Where did we get those nicknames? Well, they come from your issues. <laughs> oh, they do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well thank you guys very much for coming on for a, a flashback episode here on the podcast that goes snicked. Um very, very happy to have y'all on. Um you know, kind of was listening a little bit and then we really got to know each other through the old uh crossing swords uh crossover and you know, I hope you I hope you take this as a compliment. Because I mean it as one. But I kind of think y'all could just as easily be called the Playhouse of X because of it's just a really, really fun show. Like you guys just seem like you have a blast, and it kind of feels like a big party um, whenever y'all do your episodes. So, so yeah, uh, y'all want to give just kind of a brief uh, introduction of the podcast and where people can can find you and all that. We'll do that again at the end, but I like to give y'all a chance at the front too. Sure, well, Dylan, you want to do it? Sure. Uh, well, first, Jason, thank you. We do have a whole lot of fun. And I think Regina and I really annoy each other as well. So <laughs> I think that's why it is fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, our podcast is called House of X Podcast. We started as a Facebook group and we still have a Facebook group, but me and Regina wanted to do a little bit more. So we have our own podcast where we do weekly reviews of the new comics that came out the week before and every once in a while but here more lately it seems more frequent we do have some random some random fandom episodes where we interview fans creators of comics cosplayers artists you name it if they're related to the x-men fandom we try to have them on and yeah that that's what we do <laughs> Awesome. Well, yeah, listeners, hopefully y'all have all uh, given them some listens after the Crossing Sword stuff. If you haven't, definitely go check it out. It is a great show, but we're going to talk about some 90s X-Men tonight. Um, kind of peak uh, going into 1993. Um, but before we get to that, since it is y'all's first time on the show, um, have kind of a, 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 what's it called? Not a routine, but a... Jeez, whatever, routine, <laughs> um, where, where I let a new guest just kind of talk about, you know, your first exposure, kind of your origin story, if you will, of Wolverine and or the X-Men, and then kind of what you like or don't like about Wolverine, and, you know, just, we can go from there. So, Regina, you want to go first? Sure. Um, my dad actually is the one that got me into the X-Men. Um, he collected comics when I was very small. Until my mom made him stop, <laughs> which later she was like, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> because he had, I mean, I think he even actually had um, X-Men number one. Oh, gosh. And she made him sell like a giant box of comics for almost nothing. Oh, wow. And 
Yeah, then she, later she was like, ooh, shiznit. it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was my first exposure. And then I got into it a little more um, when I was in junior high. A friend of mine was into comics, and he had some of those really awesome 90s trading cards. And oh, I nice. remember, yeah, he was showing me um, Psylocke and Cerise. Um, and I was like, these chicks look badass as hell. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um I started, you know, he started giving me some of his comics and kind of let me read. And then I, I was like, I got to get a job. I think I was like 13, <laughs> but I was like, I got to get a job. Cause I know my parents can't help me with this habit that I am now picking up. Um, mm -hmm. So I did a little, you know, some side jobs, like, you know, just some light housekeeping and stuff like that. So I could get money for comics and yeah, that was basically it. I fell completely in love with the X-Men and they have been my thing ever since. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> Very cool. And, what are your? Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, read oh, Gina can I finish. Sorry. Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> what are your overall thoughts on Wolverine in general? <laughs> um, I go through my periods where I don't like Wolverine, but I love Wolverine. I don't like how overexposed he is. Right. Um, I feel like a lot of his story is very repetitive, mm -hmm. but when you get a writer that can give you something new with it. I love that. When you yeah. get that little extra, it's like, I can read the same story and I love him. Like right now, um, he's been seen recently with an operative by the name of Jeff. I love him and Jeff together. It's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> Even when it's sad, it's just something extra and something new. Um, so overall I do love Wolverine. It's just sometimes it's like, okay, uh, we would like other X-Men now. <laughs> right, right. It's kind of the, the Batman-Spider-Man syndrome. It's like, okay. Right. They go in these cycles. Like, okay, I'm happy, I'm dark, I'm happy, I'm dark. We'll do that five years on, five years off kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you. What about you, Dylan? Well, I can't really remember how the question was worded, if it was how I got into X-Men or how I got into Wolverine. Either one. But, either one okay. Um, well, I, it's actually kind of shocking. When I got into X-Men, it was, I, I knew they existed. I didn't really know who any of the characters were. But when I first actually got like my own books to read, it was actually an X-Force book and then an X-Men Unlimited and neither one of them had Wolverine in it. <laughs> and so I, my first actually getting a comic, I didn't really know who he was, but then I started reading a lot of X-Force comics and then tried to get like X-Men classics that were just the retelling of old stories. Mm -hmm. And Wolverine actually at that point in time, even though I wasn't reading like the nineties X-Men where he was kind of overexposed, I didn't think he was too overexposed. Right. But I remember when I was little, I got this art Adams X-Men poster and it just has a lot of the X-Men, basically the Outback X-Men and then like the original five are in their X-Factor suits and the, far background but wolverine is in the front and like yeah. i was like i don't know who this guy is but he seems like the <laughs> superman of this team and then i then i started reading more x-men and then i was like oh this guy is the superman of the team and he's kind of overexposed right but yeah um the only problem i have with him is again just like regina and i think like most people just 
his overexposure in the 90s and the 2000s. But right now, I don't, I feel like he's not too overexposed. So that's good. And yeah, like Regina said, especially Benjamin Percy. Benjamin Percy could write every single Wolverine story that's happened again. <laughs> but if he throws in just some tiny little thing, it seems so different. And right. I, I actually like Wolverine nowadays a lot more than I have in the past. So yeah, I, I, uh, y'all had some really cool things to say about uh, issue eight. That was really fun. Um, now I agree with both of you. I think Percy definitely he knows the character really, really well. Um, you know, I have a lot of passion, and I talk about this every now and then on the, on the podcast. You know, when I was little, I used to have kind of this encyclopedic like continuity knowledge of all my favorite characters, and really like kept into that. And you know, as I get older and uh, raise children and work jobs and stuff like that, like the passion's still there, but sometimes some of my details get fuzzy. But I feel like Percy's one of those guys that like can map out like all like all Wolverine's life events, the order they go in. I feel like he just has the encyclopedia of Logan like at his desk and just references. He's like, oh. I'm gonna throw this in there and throw this in there, and um, yeah, I've really enjoyed both his Wolverine and X Force book and the way he ties those together. And I think it helps. And you know, the post Hawks Fox era, the mutants seem to be somewhat on their own. You know, I mean, I know they 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 show up in the major events like King and Black and Empire a little bit, but they're not like guest spotting in like every issue like they did in the '90s. So it's, it's yeah. been it's been fun to see that a little more restrained. I agree. <laughs> Very cool. Well, um, yeah, so let's take a trip back to 1993. Uh, we're going to cover X-Men, the eponymous series from 17 to 19, uh, the issue numbers. Um, Dylan, I believe you're going to go first with number 17. Okay, and I will probably butcher all of these people's names, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have Regina do this on our podcast. <laughs> X-Men 17, the writer is Fabian Nicieza. The penciler is Andy Kubert. And then distinctively, I want to mention, because Regina and I have a podcast coming up soon, that inkers and colorists are two completely different people. So the inker is Mark <laughs> Pennington, and the colorist is Joe Rojas. Rosas. And then... Rosas. <laughs> Whatever. Thank you, Regina. Sorry, that's and, my grandmother's name, so. Oh, okay. And then there's a letterer who is Chris, and I don't even know how to say that name, but Chris. Eliopolis. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Your listeners are going to be like, who is this guy? <laughs> I do want to ask, because I meant to look this up before, but I think that this is one of Fabian's first issues on X-Men. I could um, be he, wrong. He started uh, filling in um, a little bit during the um, uh, Executioner song. So he was writing it at that point while Lobdell does Uncanny. So basically, you know, once Claremont leaves and then again, once the image guys all take off, uh, Nicieza and Lobdell are kind of the two main X writers with uh, Nicieza having X-Men and X-Force. And then uh, Lobdell has Uncanny and... Uh, of course, Peter David is kicking off his uh, X Factor run. Right so, okay, huh. I am super happy that I got to kick us off on this. But uh, yeah, I, to go with your 
format of things, Jason. The do I do I talk about the cover now? Sorry. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, the cover shows most of the X Men Blue team, but they have Colossus there. So Jubilee, Wolverine, Colossus, Cyclops, and Psylocke walking in the snow, and Colossus has Ileana on his shoulder, and then there's a monster in the background. I I love anything X-Men that's related to any art by the Kubert brothers. And so this cover is amazing. And like we were just talking about with the current Wolverine issues, Andy Kubert is doing that art. This book is done by Adam Kubert, their brothers. Their art is very similar, but has noticeable differences, but I love it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny because we don't really see the monster for a little bit. It almost has like a werewolf type feel on the cover. Um, so I was like, ooh, what's this? But yeah. Regina, what do you think about the cover? I love the cover. Um, I have very similar feelings to Dylan. We usually agree, but when we don't, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I love that it kind of evokes this sense of happiness. You see, you know, Ileana sitting on Colossus' shoulders and he's smiling. She's smiling. Cyclops is not smiling. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't smile. <laughs> that was yeah. That was during the era he didn't smile. Um, but you know, Jubilee's smiling. Betsy's got this half smile on her face. Of course, Wolverine is kind of doing his weird mouth thing that he does. <laughs> <laughs> but in the background, you see this sinister figure. Pardon the pun. Not. Mr. Sinister, but just creepy in general. And you see the fangs and you just know some, um, am I allowed to cuss? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think I already did know. <laughs> uh, yeah. You see some shit's about to go down. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, Dylan, what shit does go down? Okay. So the book opens up. We see, Ileana playing in the fields, which I feel like whenever we see Ileana as a, <laughs> as a younger kid, it's either she's being terrorized by demons or she's playing in fields. <laughs> like, stop it. Is there nothing else to do in Russia? But, okay. <laughs> and we find out that she, her brother is coming to visit. And we then see that someone is, like, monitoring their Rasputin house. So that's kind of weird. Then cut to a Marvel character who doesn't get that much love, but probably should. Uh, her name's Darkstar. She's uh, on again, off again, hero, villain, Russian, American <laughs> right. hero. And I think there's actually been like three different women that have or actually been Darkstar. So <laughs> that's hard to keep track of too. But uh, Darkstar and this other guy, which I don't, remember his name uh go to inspect some weird happenings that are going on in this small russian town where everyone seems to just kind of be frozen and not really living and then they separate to try to figure out what's going on and dark star gets attacked by whatever this psychic entity is as well and then her companion then also gets attacked so they're both off the board and we then get to see some russian important government people talking about what happened in this town and that they lost two mutants that went to go check it out and one of them brings up the fact that they should inquire about omega red 
to inspect this. Then we get to see the X-Men in the Blackbird. They're on their way to Colossus's family's house. And they're talking about the recent mission and how that slowed them up of going to visit his family. Then we get to see Psylocke mentally, like, slightly kind of (laughs) kiss-rape Cyclops. And he thinks he doesn't really know what happened. And he thinks that it was just him, which is weird. And, but, which is also kind of really awful because we get told later on in this book that this is after an incident with like Cable and Strife and Mm -hmm. a mission before. And so like Cyclops is in a very vulnerable place right now. And why is Psylocke doing this? They finally make it to the Rasputin's house. Ileana's happy and hugging Colossus, which again, little Ileana, this is all she ever did. Hug Colossus and (laughs) run around in fields. (laughs) Uh, We get to see again that whoever's monitoring the Rasputin's now wants to call the government because the X-Men are there. Flashback to New York and the X-Mansion where Rogue herself is still dealing with the after effects of a previous mission where she can't see right now and she's having to trust gambit of all people and this is <laughs> when they're like kind of starting their romance kind yeah. of not he's a sleaze bag that likes her she doesn't really know who he is but she'll flirt with him a little bit and yeah professors watching them out the window <laughs> at, like which is <laughs> Like a creeper, but in true Xavier fashion, because he is a creep. So (laughs) he's like being the voyeur and watching Rogue and Gambit out the window. And then I guess like everybody in the world wants to talk to Xavier. Then Beast comes in and then a millisecond later, Storm comes in. And this is why I picked this book, because Storm is not alone. She has Warpath and Cannonball with her. And Warpath and Cannonball want to discuss the fact that the Hellions recently just died and that Emma is in a coma and they want to do right by the Hellions and give them a proper burial, but they need to get permission to go get some other characters, Magma and Empath. But X-Force right now is really considered a huge terrorist threat to the entire United States. And so they're basically grounded, but Cannonball and Warpath want to do this and they want professors permission this is all not important to this book at all, but because it's for past, <laughs> I'm mentioning it. Uh, Xavier well, says, import- oh, go ahead. Well, it's important to Fabian because he's also writing New Warriors, which is where this story moves to. So he's like kind of plugging his own other series. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Xavier tells Warpath and Cannonball they can't take the Blackbird, but to contact Firestar, maybe she'll be able to help them. Firestar being a mutant herself, who's never really been an X-Man, and she also used to be a former Hellion herself. Then we cut to Japan, where we get to see a chick beating the crap out of a giant gang of dudes, and she wins, and she takes her mask off, and it's a slightly familiar face. They don't really say who it is, but it's a white woman with purple hair. So... (laughs) That must mean Betsy. Right. Another reason I picked this issue is this is the first appearance of Revanche in comics. So I was very excited to do that. And also always excited to talk about a chick beating up a whole bunch of dudes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
And then back in Russia, we get to see Wolverine and Colossus kind of have a heart to heart. Um, one thing that's hard about this trip for Colossus is he needs to tell his family about some evil shit that went down with his brother, Mikhail, and how Mikhail killed himself. And in this heart to heart, I do love the fact that Colossus is like doing a bunch of manual labor and Wolverine asks him, why doesn't he just change to steel and he could do this a lot quicker. And Colossus says that not everything can be solved with a mutant power and that it is nice to take things with a human approach. And I thought that was nice. Yeah. And cut to Cyclops having a nightmare about Cable and Strife. He decides he should get up and go take a shower and he walks into the bathroom and we get to see <laughs> Betsy in a towel and Cyclops is shocked. Betsy seems very happy and very inviting and Cyclops quickly leaves the room, but then we both, we get to see both of them slightly smirk. Mm-hmm. So they, they both smirk. <laughs> no. Well, hers seems like a slight smirk. His is a giant smirk. Right. Very yeah. happy. <laughs> and uh, we then get to see Jubilee and Iceman in the kitchen then that morning with Ileana and Colossus's mom. They're having some pleasantries and slightly talking about how Ileana used to be a teenager, but now she's a kid again. And yeah, then it closes with the government of Russia discussing how they now know that the X-Men are there and they're going to use the X-Men to try to figure out what happened to this town. And Omega Red is involved. <laughs> but not really. And then we just get a weird image of him <laughs> at the end. Right. Not even part of the story. It's like, oh, we said his name. Here's a picture. Right. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. If, if I had to give a grade on this book, I would give it an A- minus because there's a, a lot in it, and it doesn't seem too overwhelming. They, I mean, there is a lot. There's a lot to understand that they just had a mission that went crazy, but they do kind of give little hints here or there. In, in case you were like someone just jumping into the X-Men, there's nothing too confusing about right. the fact that there's like eight missions going on in this one book. So <laughs> I'm going to give it an A minus. I could just be incredibly biased because of Warpath and the first <laughs> appearance of Revanche, but I liked it. Plus, again, the art is great. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. Did you need any highlights? I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> like, how many claws, Dylan? Oh, we, we'll do that. We can talk about it first a little bit, and then we'll, oh, we'll come okay. back and we'll adjust. We'll adjust and prorate his A minus. <laughs> okay, sorry, I, no I forgot about the grading system. <laughs> no problem. Um, I I liked it overall. I mean, was it like the greatest comic ever? Probably not, but just the character beats that we get. I am a huge Rogan Gambit fan. Like I have mm-hmm. loved their romance since i started reading i started reading actually i think x-men number 26 and they went on their first date like in x-men number 24 (laughs) so this was actually right before i started reading and i didn't read these books until a little later but when i went back to to actually read this this was one of the things that jumped out at me is that we do get these character beats of 
Rogue is recovering from her prior mission. She can't see. She has to trust Gambit. You know, Xavier is watching them creepily. (laughs) (laughs) But while he's watching them, he's thinking, you know, he's giving the audience something to chew on. And he's saying, you know, Gambit, you know, we don't really know you. um, But you you really like this girl. But um, can she trust you? Can we trust you? And you know, we we will ponder that for years and years to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we get this dirty little soapy drama with <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I mean, I love Cyclops and Jean, but that whole this whole psychic um, affair that Betsy started with him that was really hot. <laughs> Wrong, maybe, but it's pretty hot. <laughs> um, I also really enjoy these character beats that we get, like with Jubilee and Ileana, and you know, they just kind of Jubilee is just this. You know, I know a lot of people find her annoying. I love Jubilee, um, but just kind of seeing her get to interact with another kid who's younger, right, and not an adult. I really like those types of character beats. Um, so, you know, just watching her, you know, with Ileana putting on makeup, that was so cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did enjoy Dark Star. Um, I still don't know very much about her. I think this is the only book I've ever seen her in. <laughs> 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 but she looks badass. So, hey, that's a plus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, um, you know, we, we are getting to visit old Mother Russia with Colossus and he gets to see his family. And yeah, it was overall very good book. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I enjoy seeing the early seeds of the Rogan Gambit relationship. Like you, you know, we're kind of it's just now really kind of starting to turn into more than just uh, flirting. Like they're actually like deepening those bonds. That's, that's really cool to see. Um, you know, poor Eliana, like you know was very involved in the New Mutants. Inferno came along. She got turned back into a kid and has pretty much been stuck on the shelf since Inferno. Um, and then now we come along with this story, which has some things <laughs> um, that happened to her. Um, so I just I felt really bad. And we can talk about that more as we go. But, I mean, as far as I am aware, she has pretty much been out of sight, out of mind uh, since the end of Inferno, other than occasional pinings by Colossus and then Kitty over at Excalibur sometimes going, man, I miss Ileana. <laughs> Much like, <laughs> that's kind of been it, right? And so now we come back and she's a, a little tiny kid again and finally actually get to see her do that briefly. Um, so that was fun. Um, and then what do y'all think of the, the intrigue and the mystery? Did the red flag 133, like, did it grab your interest? Did it hook you the way they wanted to? Or is it just kind of like, eh? Whatever. Yeah. Eh, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, so Dylan, in the six claw scale, where is your A minus land? I will say it's a four claw. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Regina? Actually, that's exactly where I was. Four oh, we're unanimous. <laughs> okay. Four out of six claws across the board. All right. 
Very good. I think it definitely sets up a good story. Um, I think it gets better. So let's uh, let's move into number eighteen. Um, I believe this is all the same. Let me make sure. Turn this book sideways. Oh no, we have some additional inks by Dan Panosian on the first couple of pages, but everything else is the same. So this is a Skinner of Souls Part Two: The Crops Mature. Uh, this is my favorite cover of the three. We have kind of Omega Red. I don't I can't exactly tell what's going on, but it almost looks like he's like stringing the X-Men over a cliff with his coils. He's got Wolverine wrapped around the neck. Colossus and Iceman are down for the count. Cyclops is about to fall. He's got Psylocke up, hanging upside down. Uh, what do you all think of this cover by Kubert and Pennington? I love it, um, but that's mainly, I, I think, just because... I- Omega Red is kind of one of those characters that I think a lot of people love the way he looks, but they have no idea why they like him <laughs> because he doesn't have that much character. Well, so, so and, the 90s. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I am exactly one of those people I just described. I love everything about Omega Red's look, but he has no character to even say why I like him. But this image is just all... 90s and all omega red just dominating and yeah i yeah i just love it (laughs) me too me too what about you regina you know i've never cared for omega red i just haven't read a story that is compelling to me i mean he's been in a lot of stories that are good they just don't appeal to me (laughs) sure so eh, you know it's it's kind of it's a very busy cover. Um, it's very pretty. It just... Eh. All right. <laughs> and we'll talk about it when we get a little bit more into it. But, like, the splash page that we get when we open the book, if they had put that on the cover, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that, yeah. that right yeah. there. <laughs> I will say it, I I agree that it's busy, but I feel like images of Omega Red need to always have tentacles going everywhere and being being super busy to make it be an awesome Omega Red picture. Like, if it was Omega (laughs) Red without those tentacles going everywhere, it would be boring. Well, if you look at Bobby, like, what is he doing? Is he dancing? He's he's got a tentacle around it. I feel like Bobby almost looks like the entire picture was drawn without him. And then they were like, oh, God, Iceman's supposed to be in the picture, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he wasn't. Was he on the cover of the last one? He was not. No. no I don't not. think so. And then he was in the book. And then I was like, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, because that's right. He's part of X-Men Gold. And he, him and Colossus are both in this. Right. Oh, wow. so yeah so that did kind of jump out at me that he's on the cover of this one but like you said it's like oh shit we forgot to put bobby in there (laughs) just having to do some stretches he'll be fine yeah they realized their mistake after the last one came out they're like oh god we forgot to put i stand on the cover of the last one he has to be on this one (laughs) that's funny all right, so um, in this one, basically, the uh, Russians sent Omega Red to check out the village, but the Soul Skinner is peeling his psyche like a potato for vodka. Um, a Russian agent, Vashkin? 
maybe. Uh, I guess the X-Men to help to track a lost mutant to the village, even though Cerebro can't find him. They say this is because he has electromagnetic powers, but isn't Magneto detectable when he's not wearing this helmet? I don't know. Um, anyway, the X-Men arrive to find the entire village frozen, both physically and psychically, like Dylan talked about last issue. Um, Omega Red springs out of nowhere to attack the X-Men. Meanwhile, the Russians argue over how to stop the village incident from spreading, while Matsuo complains he may not get Omega Red back in one piece. One option is the mysterious Red Flag 133. Back in Japan, Quanin, our mysterious ninja from last issue, has killed uh, Lord Nairoyam, uh, his ninja guard, to uh, get back on his good side and in his payroll, but he insists she must kill Psylocke first and reveals it is her other self. So building on that mystery. Uh, Wolverine engages in a grudge match with Omega Red. Psylocke tries her telepathic dagger, but it doesn't work. She doesn't say, with a focus totality. No way, that's not why. Um, and <laughs> it doesn't work because uh, Omega Red has no brain. He's literally a dead brain inside. So uh, he releases his Despore virus to take down the X-Men except Wolverine with his healing factor. Uh, though he eventually falls off panel. Um, <laughs> and then the, uh, the Soul Scanner feast on Cyclops' trauma, but it turns out he bites off more than he can chew with that summer's drama. Uh, Colossus and Viscan uh, find a shed of children. Um, and... Oh, what the hell did I write? Oh, and they're unaffected by the Soul Skinner. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, the Russian forces abduct Ileana, maybe killing their parents in this issue, but next issue they're definitely dead. And then, uh, <laughs> she is Red Flag 133, and they plan to accelerate her growth and use her powers for the state. To be continued. Russia is so evil all the time. <laughs> Yeah, so um, actually, it's funny, Regina, you talked about that splash page. My my first notes are that these first three pages are awesome. And, and I wrote that in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. The art in the first couple of pages is very strong. The story is very strong. And then it's not as strong. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we finally kind of meet this uh, Soul Skinner guy. Uh, you know, he was teased last issue as just a vague psychic entity, and now we figure out he actually, like, feeds off of trauma. Um, so what do you all think now that we actually see him and, and meet him? Is he, is he a good a good bad guy? Not a good bad guy. Is he a exciting bad guy? And where does he kind of fall on the spectrum of X-Men guys? I think he's interesting, um, sadly, it's kind of really just these three issues that he's right. in, and he, I feel like, I mean, I don't consider myself an incredible X-Men expert, but I feel like I don't remember us ever seeing him again. Nothing so, I know of, yeah. <laughs> it's sad that he does kind of have a really cool power, and he took on uh, some very powerful X-Men, and <laughs> right? even Omega Red, and <laughs> then... But yeah, we're not there yet. Uh, but 
he is very interesting. And like you said, those first couple of pages are beautiful. And it's just a really good work by Nicieza to introduce a lot of character depth in just a few pages on this creature. But yeah, I think he's good. There's a lot of 90s villains that were like one and done that I think should come right. back. And I think this would be an interesting one because we have tons of telepaths that are good guys. We need more telepaths that are bad guys that are not just like Sinister or Exodus who can be telepathic, but then they like never use that as their main power. Right. Oh my I, God. I would love to this guy to be Danny's nemesis. And now I need them. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> That'd be pretty rad. Um, yeah. Um, I pretty much agree. The part, Part where Psylocke goes to stab him, I was kind of like, uh, there has to be something in your brain. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> She's not the strongest telepath, so okay, I get it. Um, and I really, really liked the page that we get where he tries to absorb Cyclops' trauma, and then he's like, damn, you're fucked up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> And I love the art on that page where we get to see, you know, all the different parts of Cyclops trauma. We see him and Alex parachuting out of the plane. We see him giving up his son. We see him, you know, with strife and we will see these beats <laughs> over and over and over again. But I don't know. I love Cyclops story. It is painful. It is compelling. There's no fucking Madeline here. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Right. I, I, I wanted to ask, is that creepy head that's up at the top supposed to be Charles? Because it has eyebrows like Charles. And I was like, is this what Cyclops thinks? Char like, <laughs> how Charles yeah. appears in Cyclops? Green Goblin with a brain? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and is that more or less creepy than a baby with a strife helmet? <laughs> yeah. It, it's a lot of creepy. Yeah. There's a lot of creep factor on that page. But, um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that part. Um, and I think that's when I started to get a little more interested. Like, okay, this Cyclops trauma has done fucked up the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. I wanted to mention that I think it's hilarious that when they go on this mission in the snow, that Betsy and her ninja thong puts on a coat. <laughs> Why you had ass still hanging out? Yeah, <laughs> right. Just a coat, but the other female on the team, Jubilee, puts on a coat. She puts on pants. She puts on boots. She <laughs> covers completely up. Right. And but, yeah, I. She's I, not trying to seduce to, to seduce Cyclops, so she can true. dress normally. Yeah, I, I guess that's, like, did you see me strike a pose in the snow? Yeah. <laughs> But speaking of what Jubilee changed her outfit into, I think this issue and the next issue is the only time we ever see Jubilee in this winter outfit of wearing the brown X-Men coat and then her like ski pants that are pink and white. Mm -hmm. But these two issues and that look of Jubilee made such an impact on the visual of Jubilee that in the X-Men, the animated series, there's a Christmas episode. It's like Christmas with the Morlocks or something like that. And in that episode, they put Jubilee in that exact same look. And oh. I just thought, 
I thought that was interesting because I actually didn't even put two and two together until I started reading this. And this past Christmas, I actually watched the Christmas episode of X-Men. And so I was like, wait, that's the same outfit <laughs> from the animated series episode. So yeah, and then I went that's back awesome. and it looked. And yeah, so these, <laughs> these two issues and Jubilee's visual from the artist made such an impact that they put that outfit into into one episode of the animated series. That's cool. I, uh, I made a note that the, the Avengers weren't the only team with bomber jackets in 1993. So. <laughs> Every female on the Avengers had a bomber jacket. Every single one of them. Yep. They sure did. So uh, I also pointed out, because, you know, this is the podcast that goes snicked, on uh, page 14 of the physical copy, we get a growl and a snicked. So... You know, Wolverine is, uh, he's mad. He's fighting mad, as they would say, uh, seeing Omega Red. So what do y'all think of, um, uh, I know she doesn't have a name yet, but, uh, uh, Revanche's, uh, initial costume. I'm so confused by it. (laughs) (laughs) Go, Go ahead, Regina. What did you say? I said I liked it. Um, it's weird, but it's no weirder than the, the thongs. Right. Like it's it's a different kind of thong. It's like a, it's like an eighty you know work a you know buns of steel kind of thong. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the face mask or whatever that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. um, she's got these like not cables exactly, but like what are those straps? The yeah. supposed to be holding up. I think it's I think it's supposed to be on the back where she could put her swords. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, but and I can't see it in this particular like they don't let you see it, but she would also need a strap around her waist and I don't remember if there is one around her waist. Uh but yeah. I mean, but overall, thigh high boots are always A+. Plus. <laughs> well, my thoughts on it are just the fact of when it was the 90s and I started reading comics around this time too I I'm a weirdo and even then I loved the not main characters so as I immediately gravitated to who is this revenge girl I want her to be my favorite and <laughs> so in the image of her that I know from later on this is her same suit, but I feel like they messed up on the art. And it looks like she's wearing a thong suit, but... It's supposed the, to be two-toned? Yeah. It, the, like later? Yeah. Yeah, the thing that looks like it's skin here is actually more... It's a bright pink in later issues. and But, like, this issue, it's like, whoa, wait, we're wearing <laughs> lingerie and a mask. And, Yeah. I mean, BDSM was just becoming a thing. Pretty sure this was part of it. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, this, uh, this is way more Ninja Thong than Psylocke's suit. Right. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you got the, uh, you don't have the leg wrappings, but you got these like almost metal uh, boots. You know, it reminded me a lot of, you know, concurrently, what Jim Lee was doing with some of his female characters in Wildcats at the time. Um very similar, like with the hood, and of course he had all those ninjas with the uh, uh, coda over there. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah, 
I don't know if I have a whole lot of other notes. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of mental trauma for four man. Cyclops just cannot catch a break back in these days. Um, and there's something just terrifying about the way they grab Ileana out of bed, but you know, kids in comics are always a little, can be iffy sometimes, but, um, yeah. Okay. Well, um, any other thoughts for you guys? Nope. All right. Well, I'm going to give this uh, five out of six claws. I went up a little bit from the previous one. What about y'all? I think I'm still at a four. Okay. <laughs> I'm at a four, but that fifth one is starting to pop out. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, the final chapter is number 19. And Regina, I think you are up for that one. Yes. And oh, boy. <laughs> on the creative team. Yeah, we we left we you a the, lot of eagers. You got to pick which one you wanted, and you got the dark issue. This issue is dark as hell. Well, we will get there, but first, <laughs> uh, let's see. Pennington did pages one through nine of the inks. Rachek, I guess is how you would say it, did pages ten and eleven. Panosian did pages 12 through 16, and Williamson did pages 17 through 22. Holy moly! Your your deadline crunch. Right. Like, wow, that was a lot of inkers. Um, Fabian Nicieza and Andy Kubert did the story. Joe Rosas did the colors. On the cover, we get this gorgeous kind of just a yellow tone with like reds popping out of colossus tearing some shit up and poor little iliana is at the bottom of the page and she is just, just terrified you don't know if she's terrified of him or someone else <laughs> until you actually read the book <laughs> but um it says what price is innocent oh little iliana she's so cute <laughs> uh, what did you guys think i i like it um iliana is kind of strange looking but i, I think some of that's intentional <laughs> Right? I mean, sounds like a zombie baby, but... <laughs> but yeah, overall, I like it. I like Col- I really like Andy Kubert's Colossus, just in general. Um, so that's always fun to see. I like the use of the the yellow and red. Uh, I, Ileana is creepy looking. Like, she looks like the kid from Poltergeist. <laughs> I, I, I like it. It's very... very dynamic when it comes to art because I, I went to school for art uh his, history and education not i can't do art myself that well but uh the red and yellow like there's a reason that so many like fast food places use red and yellow and their logos like mcdonald's and mm-hmm. parties and sonic and things like that it's because red and yellow are the attention grabbing colors and so i like the use of that on this what could be like terrifying slash very sad cover of an older brother wanting to save his little sister so i like it even though liana looks creepy yeah very cool (laughs) i i do like this cover more than, uh, because we do have that focal point of Colossus and he's just got this look on his face that's like I gotta fuck some shit up <laughs> right. um, but yeah I think a lot of artists have trouble because they're so used to drawing like these adult-ish forms or mm-hmm. adult forms and they 
usually draw women to be super sexy and men to look super strong. You know, this is kind of an era where I remember there was some covers with Xavier walking and he looks strong and hot. And right, you know, right, right. People have paraplegias. No, your muscles atrophy. <laughs> right, right. But no, uh, Xavier had this really so, nice butt. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I do think that a lot of artists kind of have trouble drawing children because they're not used to drawing those types of... So I don't know if this was intentional, but she does look like a little creepy <laughs> <laughs> doll, like Annabelle or something. Right. <laughs> uh, but, oh, but other than that, it's a great cover. It definitely grabs your attention. It's busy, but it's not busy with too many characters. You get your focal point, and it makes you think, why is this guy pissed off? Now I want to find out what's going on. Yeah. So when the book opens, we see Soul Skinner standing around, lying down in the snow because he has kicked their <laughs> ass. <laughs> um, and that he enjoys their agonies and he tries to decide which one he's going which mind is the most and i just think it's hilarious because the one of the first images betsy on top of cycle yeah <laughs> and they've been they're naked they've been doing naughty stuff and i was right. like wait a minute <laughs> wait why is this agonizing <laughs> um but we also get a moment of like jubilee when she sees her parents alive and we see Iceman really sad over Opal. We see Cyclops kissing Jean and he's ruminating over, man, why does everything I love keep getting fucked up? Right. <laughs> and Wolverine is agonizing over still the loss of Mariko Yashida, who he was almost married to and loved so much. And, and that didn't work out, <laughs> to say the right. least. Yeah, <laughs> but Soul Center is particularly disturbed by Cyclops, and he's thinking, you know, how the hell did you survive all this shit? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and then he starts talking to Os Oscana. I'm trying to decide if this was deliberate because normally it would be Oksana. <laughs> so, but in the book, it's Oscana, and that's the um, Soul Skinner. Wigging out because he's like, you know, I found out that your mom was actually a state agent. She was just spying on me and I loved her, but she just threw us away like trash and supposed to observe me. And when I found out, I fucked her up. <laughs> <laughs> so you get this, this awful panel of him shredding his wife and like her body is turning into these like shredded Something. little worm. Like, yeah, <laughs> like he fucked her up. <laughs> And he's like, man, her job was more important than us. And so I did to her as she would have done to us. And now I only want to find the pain of others. And then he sends Omega Red after Vatsin and Colossus um, before they figure out a way to stop him. So Colossus and Vatsin have rescued these children. They're in a shed and know that this guy is losing his mind. <laughs> and we have to figure out how to stop him and not corrupt the children of the town. And maybe this is where the key is because they're the only ones that have been spared from what he's done to everyone else. Right. And then Vatin's like, well, 
Um, <laughs> the bad people are coming. <laughs> they have a size-shielded transport ship. So, um, yeah, they want to use your sister. And we might not have some choices here. <laughs> so Peter starts arguing with him. And he's like, you know, I am not... I don't give a fuck about the greater good. I'm going to save my sister. I'm going to get her out of that ship. And ain't nobody going to stop me. And he gets really pissed off because he sees Ileana in like this cube. And she's like yeah. a prisoner. She just, it, it looks horrifying. She's in this cage and she's beating the sides of the glass. And she just looks terrified. And you just feel like, oh my God, this poor little girl. So... Cyclops just starts pummeling people. <laughs> I mean, Cyclops, Colossus. Colossus starts pummeling people. He just starts tearing shit up. He's like, you guys are fucking up my sister, um, and I'm not going to let you do this. So then the state agents open fire on him, and they start. Vatsin starts telling him, look, you know that sometimes evil mutants do terrible things, and you have to help us. And even if this means using your sister, you gotta, you've got to step up and let us save the people of this town. The soul skinner comes out and is like, well, <laughs> guess what, bitches? Y'all don't know what's actually going on. And the fact is they went and stole his sister. Not only did they steal his sister, they killed his parents. So, yeah. And so he pulls these feelings out. And Colossus just collapses. He's screaming, no, oh my God, my parents. And then we cut to Rogue and Gambit flying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Rogue is still blind. She's wearing sunglasses and her bomber jacket yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that everybody's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's flying with Gambit. And Gambit is basically her eyes as she's flying. And it was really cute because yeah. <laughs> as they're flying, he says, watch out for that wall. <laughs> <laughs> so that was adorable. And as they're flying around, now it's Beast that's sitting there like a creep watching them. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Beast. <laughs> Everyone just wants um, to keep tabs on that Rogue and Gambit drama. They're just like, what's yeah. going on? What's going on? Yeah. Like, y'all gonna have some midair hanky-panky? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's reminiscing about how innocent they are. And I'm like, Beast, do you even know these people? <laughs> they are not innocent. What are you talking about? <laughs> and he says they're naive. And I'm like, Gibbet was a thief. Like, you guys know this! <laughs> but as he's sitting there ruminating, Jean Grey comes along, as she does, and mm. They start talking about how old they are. So they're almost 30, 30. per this panel. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's going to get retconned. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, you know, you need to talk to somebody. Um, and he's like, you know, actually, I do need to talk to somebody. I'm going to go get some flavored tea or coffee. And we're going to sit down and have some coffee and talk. Okay. <laughs> So we flash back to Russia and Peter Colossus is just going ham on everybody. He is just pummeling these agents and 
Watson is like, no, your parents were not supposed to be harmed. I have no idea. I had no idea, Peter, <laughs> that this was going to happen. They were going to kill your parents. Not my fault. My bad, dude. Um, <laughs> and so Soul Skinner is like, well, y'all did it because it was expedient. You didn't want to have to try to reason with them. It's easier to just pump a bullet in somebody than to try to convince them to let you borrow their little daughter. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> He's kind of got a point, because <laughs> if you come to my house, try to kill, steal my kid, yeah, you're going to have to kill me first. <laughs> right. Um, so, Watson tells Soul Skinner, you know what, I don't give a fuck what you're saying, because actually, the whole reason that any of this has happened is because you're a jackass, you attacked this town, we just want to send you somewhere else where you can't hurt people who are innocent anymore. And Soul Skinner is like, oh, no, no, this is some bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) You are guilty. Colossus is guilty. Everybody guilty. And he tells Colossus, you know, you even thought maybe I should let them use my sister. You feel guilty for that, but you thought it. And then Colossus admits, yes, he had a thought. And Soul Skinner's like, you know what? You can lie to me. You can lie to your friends. But you can't lie to yourself, boo. (laughs) So (laughs) he says, you considered it. You thought about it. I feel how guilty you are. How could you think? How could you think that you could just let this innocent child die? And then we get this fabulous picture. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) But Soul Skinner is screaming. And then it looks like his daughter is coming out of his tongue (laughs) yeah it's weird yeah and uh, she looks demonic she's got red eyes and she's like well Ileana was only a child but I was just a child too and you watched me die why are you on your high horse what makes him better than you and then he starts crying (laughs) oh boy that daddy guilt got to him (laughs) Mm mm-hmm so Ileana has managed to get out of her thing after Colossus probably broke everything. <laughs> and she tells him, Soul Skinner, you know, please don't hurt my brother. And he says, you know what? I'm afraid to prevent us from all hurting each other. I have to hurt you. So he presses this button on the cage and poor Ileana starts screaming. She's grabbing her head. She's like, oh, my God, some somehow this has done some type of pain to her, probably because it's attacking her genetic code. And Colossus is like, shit, he's going to kill everybody. (laughs) What do I do? So he's struggling away and it just boggles my mind because poor Ileana, she's back in the cage. And she's crying, and she's surrounded by all this energy, and she's like, please, it hurts. And Colossus just leaves her there. Yeah, it was really weird. Go get help. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, dude, you were just breaking everything three minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) So as he's stumbling away, the X-Men arrive, and Cyclops is like, well, is it really that much easier to ask a child to be brave than yourself? I'm like, you guys are coming ham at this dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like he likes cat he likes dishing it out but he can't take it <laughs> so uh colossus has run off to find betsy or to find the kids and he brings the kids to betsy and he's like you have to knife one of the kids she's like what the fuck? 
Right? <laughs> Are you like, sure? Just that, do it. Really? So, <laughs> stab both of the kids with her psychic knife, the totality of her psionic powers. <laughs> <laughs> and channeled their innocence into the soul of the soul skinner. And instead of dealing with his own shit, I'm not sure. He he just turns himself off. I don't really know what that means, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they're talking about it, and they're like, you know, he's just broken himself. And Jubilee's like, I never even got a shot. And then, kapow, there's a gunshot. <laughs> and Watson says, well, I did. And has shot this dude in the head. Like, yeah. holy crap. <laughs> so, you know, everybody's happy. Colossus is like, oh, Eliana, I'll never allow you to be harmed again. <laughs> Legacy virus. <laughs> right, right. And, issues, Colossus. Come on. Uh, Cyclops tells Watson, dude, that was cold-blooded murder. And Watson's like, look. We know that there are bad mutants out there. Uh, this was an aberration. It probably won't happen again, but it could. <laughs> or to translate, and, or to translate what he's what he said, it's really this is Russia and how we handle things here. Go right, away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Wolverine comes back from a smoke break. <laughs> he missed the whole like, climax. Yeah, and he's like. Well, Omega Red got away again. <laughs> and, so what happened, guys? What I miss? <laughs> yeah. So poor Jubilee is like, and I'm going to quote this because this was hysterical. She's like, just how in the name of Oprah Montel Raphael do you guys deal with this kind of pain all the time and still look at yourselves in the mirror? <laughs> I was like, you know, my kids wouldn't get this reference, but, you know. Yeah. I, I would. It. I love all those daytime. <laughs> Watch shows slash baby revealing psychic <laughs> listening to cheating moment shows. <laughs> they were the pre Jerry Springers. So yeah, that's the story. I want to know what did Iceman do in any of these books? <laughs> he did. Wolverine did. <laughs> I know, but at least in the second book, Wolverine fought Omega Red for a little bit. Right. Iceman did nothing in any of these books. And he didn't freeze anyone. Like, I, I know this setting has nothing to do with it, but I mean, you're in Russia where there's already a bunch of snow and ice. Like, do something. Freeze someone. Nothing. He did nothing. Except for get knocked out. When he got his feelings hurt, because I left him off the first cover, he's like, screw this. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. He didn't do anything. <laughs> no, he was uh he's pretty worthless in this this story, unfortunately. Well, that's one of the reasons what will happen with Emma will be a big deal because <laughs> <laughs> if she had been around she would have shaken him like, dude, right. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Mega power, come on, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So we resolved the soul skinner. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. He turned off his brain because he was, I was like, you know, this is, this is my only problem. This, this is a, a very nice idea that children are innocent and don't have trauma. It is not true at all. 
Right. These are Russian children. <laughs> right. Who, by the way, just saw a horrible monster freeze all their parents. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> Which, and I don't and know I'm, about you. Yeah, I'm sure some of those people little, died. Yeah. The, when I was little, I would feel guilt over, like, cheating on a test. Like, one time I cheated on a test that I didn't even have to cheat on. I only cheated because my friend wanted me to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> I might have been in first grade when that happened and it stayed with me because I got caught and I was so mad because I had 100% in that class until that test. (laughs) (laughs) Kids are weird. They have guilt. They have things that are not innocent. You know, a lot of kids are abused. Like, no, this would would not actually work. (laughs) Probably not. It's it's a nice idea, but yeah, yeah, not very realistic. Yeah, man. Um, just a really heavy issue with the the poor Rasputin's colossus going back and forth on what the right thing to do is. Um, you know, losing his shit because he can't really figure out. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think as an X Man, he knows, right? Um, well, yeah, we do have to make some tough choices, but then also it's his sister, so it doesn't. The choices don't matter right now. It's my family. Um, which I think really humanizes Colossus, right? Because it's one thing to say. Oh, well, I have these principles, but then when it comes to protecting your own, it's like, well, do I really stick by that, or do I save my sister? <laughs> and so, yeah, it's yeah. a really compelling dilemma for him, and I think really fleshes Colossus out a lot, um, which we haven't seen in a while. Um, so that was that was really nice, and of course, this starts him down a certain path that will. You know, lead him in, in a little bit different direction in the X books. Um, you know, in the next couple of years, so that that'll be interesting to keep track of as well. I yes, totally very agree. some very interesting paths. Yes, and I, you know, I was that was really when I was starting to, I was obsessed with these books, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize for a long time how close Colossus was to Ileana. And I think when we see beats like this, where he's put in a position where he has to do something to protect her, he consistently chooses to protect her, even at points, as we will see later on, where she doesn't even need protecting. She's like, dude, back the fuck off. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. So just getting to see this um, and getting this type of story, I really enjoyed that because it is going to come into play a little later. Awesome. Dylan, what do you think of the issue overall? What are some things you liked, didn't like? Uh, well, the things I didn't like was I feel like almost half of the team didn't even need to be in the book because they, <laughs> they didn't do anything. Like, I don't know why Jubilee or Iceman were even there. Or even in some of the scenes, even... I, I mean, I guess Cyclops came in handy with giving some Summers drama, but Jubilee and Iceman right. didn't do anything. So <laughs> they couldn't, they shouldn't have even been there. But uh, it, I, again, I liked the 90s weirdness of some villains being like one and done's, even if the one and done was like a three or four issue arc. Right. And I think this was an interesting character. The story didn't really add anything to help Omega Red either. Because, again, he's a character that has really no depth, and these three issues didn't help. 
<laughs> help him at all. If so, anything, they kind of exaggerated it because the soul's going to yeah. be like, well, I can't even find anything in you. You're an empty shell of a man. Yeah. <laughs> you are so boring. I don't know why you're in my third company. <laughs> why did they throw you in here? I'm the bad guy, not you. <laughs> but, yeah. I I think the parts that I enjoyed the most were actually these the weirdness of Psylocke and Cyclops and if listeners continue and read the issues after this, you kind of find out why Betsy's acting a little bit out of sorts. So, yeah. Or is she? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Any other things we want to cover before we grade this last one? Um, Again, we get, you know, we get these, these beats that are intercut of the other characters. Um, I, I think the thing I like the most about the book is that it does kind of touch into the psyche again of Cyclops. Um, you know, we, we remember that poor Jubilee actually is an orphan. Her parents actually are gone. Right. (laughs) Um, we, we get these moments where I'm still a, a little stunned that this Betsy and Cyclops naked in the bed together was somehow traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a little confusing. <laughs> right. But um, I guess because she hasn't had it yet. I mean, but that's maybe. I'm not sure that really plays into a strong female <laughs> type, but um, right. Yeah. And maybe they were just maybe they were just trying to. It would have made more sense since we had certain things that were coming for her body being broken to maybe have been traumatic. Maybe, perhaps. Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe it doesn't bother her. <laughs> but um, I think that, I think it was a little clumsily done. Yeah. And I, I do like Fabian Nicieza. Um, I, I know there are people who don't like him. I, I quite enjoy most of his stuff. Um, this just felt like a little bit of a miss, but I think it could have been stronger if we had been able to delve more into the psyche of these X-Men and why they feel their guilt. Um, I would have liked to see more of that than some of the other stuff that we got. Yeah, I just want to I just want to add that what Regina just said reminded me. I didn't know if I wanted to mention it or not, but I'm just going to anyway. Um <laughs> the, I do believe this is when Fabian really took the lead of writing on X-Men books and Mm -hmm. these issues, like I said, I was very excited to do the first one since it was the first appearance of Quanon or Canon, however you do pronounce it. Fabian, when he created these parts of her showing up in these three issues, it's actually well known that he actually hadn't read a few uncanny issues before <laughs> and before he took the the reins and a lot of the confusion between betsy and Quanon's history is because he didn't and <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> these these issues are actually do hold a lot of historical weirdness with psylocke so yeah interesting <laughs> besides the fact of the story seeming a little bit weird and mishandled or whatever the word was that Regina said. Uh, <laughs> th- th- 
there's a lot of other stuff going on in, behind the scenes as well. And I think there just needed to be a little bit more preparation and it may have came off a lot better. Uh, that sounds fair. I don't think I knew that. Thank you, Dylan. That's I, I didn't know it until about a month ago wow. um, when I knew that Fabian was going to be on somebody else's podcast. That was a good episode, by the way. That was a really yeah. good episode. Yes, it was. A lot of fun. Okay. Well, um, Regina, why don't you grade this one first? I think I'll give it a five. Five slots. Okay. Five slots. Awesome. <laughs> what about you, Dylan? I'm going to give it... I'll give it a five, too, just because even though the story was a little bit weird, the, the three issues altogether did have a beginning middle and end that even if they weren't they were kind of all over the place and not on track it at least had a beginning middle and end <laughs> right. and, it was, and it was the 90s where there was a whole lot of beginnings <laughs> and no no ending so or a lot right. of it that didn't even have beginnings so at least this right. is a, a three issue story that had a beginning and end so i will give it five for that Awesome. I think I would too. I was kind of, I agree with Regina. I think there is some, some clumsiness in the plotting that maybe makes it more of a four, but the emotional beat of Colossus pushes it over the edge for me. So I think, yeah, five out of six claws as well for me. So awesome. Well, that's kind of all we have on the docket, but, um, guys, thank you so much for coming on. That was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I did. I, I love revisiting the 90s. So if, if you ever want to have us come back, if it's not yes. strictly Wolverine-based, I will come back. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I would love to. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Um, but speaking of, of podcasts, why don't, again, just real quick, why don't y'all talk about House of X and where people can find you? You want me to do it, Dylan? Yeah. <laughs> I did it last time. It's your turn. <laughs> uh, you can say the handles, but you can find our podcast on just about anywhere that podcasts are found. You can also find us on Instagram at what is it, Dylan? <laughs> just type in House of X on Instagram and Twitter, and you'll find us. Uh, yeah. Or type in House of X podcast. It's a little bit confusing, but you'll find it. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Red Queen of X. And Dylan, where can we find you? Everybody can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Warpath underscore Dylan. That is Warpath underscore D Y L A N. And you can always find me and Regina at the House of X Facebook group that started our podcast. Very cool. And listeners, as always, for the podcast, it goes snicked. Uh, you can like the Facebook page and Twitter is at snickcast. Um, so before we wrap up, any closing thoughts or anything else you want to say? It was fun. Thank you awesome. for having us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you all very much. Thank you for having us. We awesome. love the 90s. So <laughs> this <laughs> was an awesome thing. And yeah, thanks. Awesome. Cool. Well, listeners, as always, you know, during these times, please stay safe and stay well out there. And um, we'll talk to you again soon. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And snacked. <laughs>